0: I think what's more important than scheduling in a rigid way is prioritization. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight figure Amazon and e commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Do you want to grow your business bigger and faster? A free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find missed golden opportunities. I generally charge $150 or more per hour, but this would be free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing a few thousand dollars a month in sales already. Just visit myamazonaudit.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time. That's m y, Amazon com. Look forward to speaking to you on your audit. Hey folks, Michael Veazey here. Welcome back to the show. It's been a couple of weeks since I've recorded anything. The reason for that is because I've been moving house. We've also been very busy. My wife and I have both been very busy working away. I've been doing more music work than I've been usually doing, plus keeping business ticking as well. So a lot of time pressure Plus, buying a new place meant a lot of financial pressure. And so I wanted to pass on a few of the, the hints and tips that I found to be helpful. And not only from my own life recently, which is why it's been on my mind, but also from a lot of Amazon sellers, home are uh, seven-figure sellers, but you still always have pressures in my experience. So let's talk about how to manage time pressure and financial pressure at the same time, because that's the the absolute crunch. And that often happens in Q4, which is why I thought it was relevant to you if you're listening to this sometime in December 2023. But it's probably relevant to your life as an entrepreneur in general, if you're anything like my clients or indeed myself. So let's crack into this. First of all, time management. The issue is there's only one of you and there's only 24 hours in the day. Now, the only one of you piece can be solved by obviously having more people. But normal people don't solve problems. They just go create different problems. And I think it's very, very important to be realistic about this if you're a solopreneur who's just venturing into hiring a team. Because what happens is you just move up the hierarchy of the e-myth revisited by Michael Gerber. So the first level is the technician where you do the stuff. For example, you create listings, you uh, do keyword research, you negotiate with your suppliers. You negotiate with your freight forwards. You you do everything yourself. The next step up is management. And the level above that is entrepreneurship. So entrepreneurship is about developing a system as a whole. Being a technician is doing, doing the do, as my clients once put it. And then being a manager is managing other people. Still work, still involves stress, things not working, and all the usual nonsense. But now you're managing other people rather than systems or liaison directly with other people. So what I would say is if you're under financial pressure, now is not the time to hire people. You can certainly note the need for people and you might choose to outsource, which is not the same as hiring to ready-made people if it's affordable. If there is more time pressure than financial pressure, you might want to do that. But I think it's very important to be realistic about this. So let's talk about the first thing. The first thing is schedules. So let's talk about this. They say a schedule defends against chaos and whim, and that's true. If you're like me and like a lot of entrepreneurs I know, you don't have a rigid schedule. You're not necessarily built for that if you're an entrepreneur. Uh, If you were that kind of corporate, you might still be working in the corporate world. So I think it is good to have a clear time set aside for certain types of tasks. But I think what's more important than scheduling in a rigid way is prioritization. So the first thing to say is trying to work on multiple tasks at the same time. It's very easily done. If you're easily distracted, like a lot of entrepreneurs are, Similarly to artistic types, I know you need to focus. So I think the key thing is to prioritize ruthlessly. And then even if you're not highly efficient at doing each task or set of tasks, the things you're working on are the most important things. And that is the most important thing. So a couple of simple things I didn't invent, but I find incredibly powerful. The first is the Eisenhower matrix, which as you would expect was made famous by, probably not invented by Eisenhower, the general. So there's it's a two-by-two two matrix, got important things in the left-hand column and urgent things in the top quadrant. So the top left quadrant, quadrant one, is for things that are important and urgent. For example, if you are about to get taken off the company register in the UK because you haven't returned your tax return or something really urgent and where you are potentially getting something horrendous done. If you get an account suspension or the suspension of one of your major listings on Amazon, for example, or your merchant account is frozen by your bank, uh, if you have your own direct to consumer site, any of those things, you obviously have to prioritize that first. Now, in a sense, you don't have to think about prioritizing that so much, as long as you don't hide your head in the sand and start doing random small things because they're comfortable. You have to grasp the nettle, do the hard things first. But I think the most important hint I would say is to allow time for some firefighting to be necessary. If you are running a perfectly honed machine, you won't have much firefighting. But I guess that I'm probably speaking to those who've got time and financial pressure who are not in the perfect situation. And that's real life for many people. And even if you had a perfect machine for years, you could be having a bad season for reasons out of your control. So allow for this, but also the other thing is do it. So it's an emotional discipline. It's not an intellectual insight. You know the stuff that is important and urgent because it's pressing upon you to do that first. Okay. Now, category two, is for things that are important, but not urgent. Now, if you're under a lot of pressure, this will naturally shrink to a degree. But the main, main thing is to keep this ticking. That includes, by the way, anything that's important, but not urgent, not just business tasks, but things that keep your body moving, like you're eating properly, which can go out of the window when you're busy. I certainly am guilty of that recently. Exercising, which has gone out of the window for me, but for good medical reasons, I won't bore you with. And sleep, which I have been catching back up on after a busy couple of weeks. Category three is urgent, but not important. Now, this is really important to handle this the right way. You've got to deal with it if it's urgent, but not important, but do not spend your time in this category. So this is where the insight of the Eisenhower Matrix is really, really important. What you want to be doing is minimizing category three. For example, emails where you've got to get an answer out to somebody. Otherwise, it's a thing doesn't get done, but if it's not important, i.e. it is not a whole shipment that's going to fail to ship, or you're not going to not get paid or anything like that. Well, don't spend too much time on this. And you may find that actually what you think of as urgent because somebody else is telling you it's urgent, isn't urgent for you and your business, if that makes sense. So don't allow other people's emergencies to become your priorities. If somebody else has screwed something up and it's not actually important to your business, if you're under pressure, you may just have to let them hang and just not answer their emails for a couple of weeks. I quite often get emails from people these days in in the last few weeks for the amazing FBA side of things. That I've left unanswered for two or three weeks, and that's not because I'm rude and don't care, but I've just had to prioritize financially productive things and truly necessary things. And then I've had to move house whilst keeping the music going, whilst keeping the business going. And uh, so that means being brutal, really. Category four is when things are neither important nor urgent. Now, there's a difference between goofing off and doing stupid things versus relaxing, I would say. So I'm not saying don't ever watch a movie. That's not realistic or anything like that, but don't spend time rearranging your filing cabinet or, you know, trying to get your email inbox to email inbox zero or something. It it sounds like a strange thing to say, but we all know we've done it. Okay. Emails is one of the most least productive ways of being virtuous, followed by social media. So just kill social media for a month in terms of your consumption. I don't mean don't put out content as a business, but you don't have to be on there answering stuff. is not a rule of nature or a law of business, my friends. It's just one of the things that people advise that they're really good at social media. But if you are selling stuff on Amazon, then Amazon's your main sales channel. There are many, many ways to use social media well, but I would put good money on the fact that you probably don't want to be or don't need to be checking Facebook and even checking emails that often. So here's some rules of thumb. Check emails twice a day if you must. Maybe once a day is better. That's what I tend to do when I'm really busy. Do not have an audible alert set up. If you've got that, turn it off. Same with social media. I think you shouldn't be on social media if you're really under financial and time pressure. Personally, I just don't think you can justify it. You may think LinkedIn's really critical. And maybe, maybe if you are selling uh, business to business as opposed to direct consumer, yeah, possibly, but you've got to justify it. And, and if you cannot justify it, cut that out and just let it ride. It will still be there when you get back. I promise you. Okay, so we're getting into the nitty-gritty here. Now, another general principle, a way of looking at things that is incredibly useful, is based on the 80-20 principle, which means that, amongst other things, 80-20 principle is incredibly broad Zip power law that applies to many things in the universe. But let's keep it simple here. 20% of your inputs, the stuff you do, will give you 80% of your outputs. If you take that further, as James Trunco does, then 1% of your inputs will give you half or 50% of your outputs which is kind of great news because if you can identify those accurately, and you probably can, if you're really brutally honest with yourself, if you follow the data, and if you take a bit of time to analyze, you can probably identify what is the one product, two products. If you've got a catalog of a hundred products, what are the five products? Literally a handful normally that are really going to move the needle this Q4 in terms of profit. Let's go for profit first. And, and yes, sales, of course, related to profit. What? activities do you do that actually make a damn difference? Now, rearranging a filing cabinet or trying to get your inbox to zero or answering a hundred irrelevant emails is not going to move the needle much. Like that's not part of the 1%, that's part of the 99% or so we say 80% that doesn't do anything much useful. So most of what we do doesn't matter, which is great because you can identify what does matter and just do that. And when you're under pressure, you may only have time to do that, but that's okay. You could probably do a 30 hour work week and actually do more good than doing an 80 hour work week where you burn yourself out doing stupid stuff. We've all done it. A couple of thoughts on when to do this. Time blocking is really useful for things that will otherwise not get done, particularly if you have a team and you move into management mode between nine and five, you have to manage other people. I remember my dad, he was a lawyer, saying to me, Mike, you know, my phones are open nine till five and my my, um, clients call me between nine and five and my secretary wants to talk to me and what have you, but I get my main work done between eight and nine and five and six because those are hours before the switchboard opens and afterwards. Now, obviously, we're in the um, e-commerce world of, of delivering products, so it doesn't work quite like that, but there is a similar rhythm to a lot of people's lives. If you are a morning person, get up early. If you're an evening person, work late and get that the critical task, but that is not absolutely urgent, but, but an important done in that time. Now, what that should be, we'll talk about in a second. Automating repetitive tasks is great, but I would argue that when you're under pressure, and particularly in Q4, or your equivalent of Q4, if you sell summer-based goods like barbecues, camping equipment, it may be that your equivalent to all these things is June-July time. In which case, just apply what I'm saying to June-July, but for many of us, Q4 is the busy time. And I would say that is not the time to hire new people and put them into the firing line because you won't have time to train them properly. And managing people is work. You don't just hire people and then forget it. You hire people and you have to set them tasks. You have to check they're doing it. You have to keep them motivated. You have to keep them retained so they don't leave and so on and so on forth. So now is not the time to be hiring people. And I would say now is not the time to introduce new tech either unless there is genuinely a very quick, easy solution. Normally, by the way, that's not how it works, is it? People who advertise software rightly and understandably advertise it as being a simple solution to an otherwise complex situation. And I'm sure they believe that and they they create software to do that. In fact, I've had many such people on the show as guests. And I'm not saying they're not honest, but there is always a learning curve. And, And if you created the software, if you're a software engineer, you're probably not conscious of that. Plus you've lived with it for two years. You're probably not aware there's a learning curve. But for all the rest of us, there is a learning curve. So, so don't start getting complicated. If anything, I find the opposite to be helpful. Instead of using a ton of extra software, I might cut the software that I use. I don't go through and, and necessarily unsubscribe unless you're really under financial pressure. But time pressure, I would just cut down the software I use just to the ones that really are essential. And then when the dust settles after Q4 or after a busy period, you can sit back and go, right, I didn't use 80% of my software because the 80-20 rule. Applies there as well. And if you're like me, you probably got over 100, 100 software subscriptions. Many of them are free. That doesn't mean it doesn't take time and effort, even if it's free quotes. Uh, you know, not financially costly, but it all costs time and effort. You may choose to unsubscribe from a ton of stuff. That's a different matter. But don't try and do structural things when you're under time pressure. I think you have to just focus on doing what you need to do and not getting clever. So, two things not to do don't hire an assistant when you're busy because you will spend a lot of time on that and they won't get the time back immediately unless they are absolutely ready to go. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? I bet you do. If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. Generally, I charge at least $150 an hour these days for my time, but this is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner, all I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, just go to myamazonaudit.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Thank you very much for listening and I hope to see you on a call soon. your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening. So I don't use new tech at a busy time, but what I would say is you do outsource to ready-made people if, if you have more time than financial pressure, right? If you haven't got any spare cash then you can't do this. But if you have got spare cash and you don't have much time, outsource to ready-made people. What do I mean by that? Really experienced photographers in order to create new photography for Amazon. I mean, experience in product photography for online sales. Very, very specific skill sets you're hiring for. Hire an agency to deal with stuff. Although, that also takes time and effort to, to assess who you should be hiring. So, that's not a quick, easy process. But generally, you can get things off your plate quickly if you hire experts. They cost the requisite money. I'm not talking about hiring a team member who you're going to have to pay more affordable money, but train up. Okay, so let's talk about cash management for a moment. Now, this may feel a bit of a blend, and it is. Cash and time management are separate things, but often we experience the same pressures at the same time. That's real life. And this is what we're addressing today. So, cash flow is the lifeblood of business it is the most important thing it's more important than profits it's more important god knows than revenue and it's more important than sales unit sales as well so they say the cliche is revenue is vanity or turnover is vanity profit is sanity cash is reality and this is a cliche but i happen to think that in this case it's a really golden rule to live by so cash flow management is critical if you are under financial pressure That normally means cash pressure or cash flow pressure, that you are in danger of possibly running out of cash or at least getting thin cash reserves. And if so, then it's all about cash management. The first thing is, if you're already under financial pressure, this may be a bit late, but try to see this stuff coming with a cash flow forecast. Now, Even if you are not uh, amazing at forecasting, if you can at least look 13 weeks ahead, that's three months. That at least gives you a bit of a heads up of when a crunch is coming. It's probably not quite enough time to truly avoid it, but at least gives you time to prepare for it. Classic cash flow management techniques. If I ever take over a business, this is the stuff that I look at doing. And if I'm looking at businesses to buy, I evaluate it in terms of what's on the balance sheet and can I do these things? So you've got to maximize cash in and minimize cash out. Minimizing, maximizing cash in, if you're dealing with inventory management, then I would put prices up for fast-selling inventory. Now, that may be counterintuitive. A lot of people think Q4 is the time to make sales. I disagree. I think Q4 is the time to take profits. If you're thinking about sales, then I think sales are only relevant insofar as they drive profits. And it sounds kind of obvious, but a lot of people, and if they're on Amazon particularly, but any online system you know google or facebook or anything like that it is to a degree competitive and on amazon it's very visibly competitive and there's a very strong pressure from amazon conscious and unconscious to sell stuff and that means you know keeping prices modest or even reducing prices that is amazon's game to play and it makes sense for amazon and it makes sense for their customers for various reasons for customers it's obvious right lower prices better value I don't think that makes sense for e-commerce sellers. The smartest figure, seven-figure sellers I've seen that were getting on towards eight figures had a very meticulous way of managing their prices such that they maximize profit, particularly in Q4 or whatever their peak season is. And that can make a really, really big difference. So for fast-selling inventory, if you keep selling it fast, you're going to go out of stock and that benefits nobody because it doesn't benefit the customers. Amazon will punish you and you will get no revenue at all from that stock, let alone profit. So it makes no sense to do that. I think you should put prices up to stay in stock and maximize profit. So two wins at the same time. It's a beautiful thing. Do not overlook this simple idea. If you take nothing else away, this is very powerful. You could do it manually. You can use automated systems, whatever. Just do it with your main best sellers. And I promise it makes a big difference. I've done this with clients. I've seen clients do it. Very powerful. Okay, the next thing to do counterintuitively to maximize cash in, if you have very slow moving stock that just sits there tying up cash in the form of stock, you need to turn it back into cash. And it may be that you'll do that at break-even or even at a loss. But if it's just sitting there, it's basically dead inventory. If you try to sell the business, I promise you most people, if they're smart, will not buy it from you. So the inventory, excess inventory is basically dead. It is not worth anything. So you need to turn that into cash. Okay, And those two things alone will make a big difference to your cash flow. If you're, owed any business to, if you're in business-to-business business sales, if you're owned any sales invoices, chase them up. Credit control is absolutely critical for business-to-business. Business. The only reason it isn't critical in Amazon is because we don't have much control over when Amazon pays us. They pay us 14 days after the end of a two-week period, as we all know. Minimizing cash out is the other cash flow management technique. Now, again, you need to see this coming and get negotiating in advance if you can. Negotiate terms with your creditors if they are Chinese sellers. They particularly, supply and suppliers will be particularly open to this if you've had a long relationship with them and you'll be amazed at what deals you can get from them. For example, if you normally pay them the traditional thing when you first start off about 30% deposit and 70% balance on delivery at the factory gates, you may find that you can pay them all of the money you know at the end of the production run, which gives you 30 days worth of cash saved, which is a big deal if you have a lot of inventory to buy. Or you may find you put 30% down, then a third down at the beginning before they start production, a third at the end of production, and then a third when it lands in your country, which could be if it's on the water for two months, two months worth of cash that you haven't tied up. It ends up being a lot of money. So very recently, he was advising something like this with one of my clients in the mastermind. And he came back from one of his suppliers and, and it basically saved himself $75,000 in cash for one supplier. It's really important to do this. It can be huge wins. But don't expect to pick up the phone or, you know, or get on a Skype call or WeChat or whatever your supplier uses now and get this for next week. You could be able to. That's not really going to save you if you've got a cash flow problem next week. You've got to see a little bit ahead. Use credit wisely. If you have cheap debt, like supplier credit, try not to pay it off using credit cards. Once you start using credit cards, you're into somewhat difficult territory. If you are using a credit card, obviously, if you have the chance to transfer something to a zero balance, you know, a zero percent balance transfer for six months, and those sorts of deals, do make use of that. Of course, you're kind of punting the problem down the road, but at least it gives you time to to you know deal with it. And again, you know, this is kind of preaching to the choir here, or what's the word? This is kind of saying something you kind of go, yeah, Mike, I know now, but have cash reserves and plan for slow sales relative to what you expect. Okay. You've got to plan for two things in business, faster sales than you expect and slower sales than you expect. Faster sales means you've got to have more money in inventory. Slower sales means you've got to have more cash. The the brutal truth is you need both, which is why... A good use of credit is to fund inventory without wiping out your cash reserves it's easy to say that but it's hard to do you just need to look ahead and go and get talk to your creditors early talk to your suppliers early and so forth but if at all possible cash reserves are the ultimate buffer against going broke right Uh, and bear in mind the productive paranoia idea of uh, bill gates who always had when he was running microsoft 12 months worth of cash reserves And I believe Apple tends to run at about that level now, even though it's a huge established business. I think that's very wise now that 12 months is a council of perfection. If you can get three months worth, you're probably doing better than most people, but don't let them get too thin. Again, look if you're under financial pressure, it could be that that's because you haven't seen that coming. If you are in that position, do the other things. Don't stress about it. Learn from the lessons. Learn the lessons here. Okay, couple of things, things not to do on Amazon, and this is really important as well. Do not try to gain market share during Q4 or for that matter, whatever your peak season is, don't try and sell, gain bar- barbecue market share or, you know, tents in July. That's an expensive time to do it. It's a profit-taking time in your peak season. So you need to do that ideally two, three months or whatever you need to substantially establish yourself, get visibility before Q4 or before your peak season, right? So, if you're not established with new product lines, don't start doing it now. Do it in January if it's Q4 that yours is your peak time, because it's cheap to gain market share. Plus, you've got the cash from Q4, so it's the perfect time to start doing it. Don't overspend on ads either. I mean, the time to spend on ads is again when it's cheaper to gain market share. You are not here to beat the competition as such. You're here to take profits, right, in business period. And particularly in Q4, or whatever your peak season is, assuming you have some kind of peak season, and most people do, then take the profits, right? Use ad spend when it's cheaper, like February, March, April. If you've got a Q4-centric business, it's it's more sensible time to be spending on ads because you can take market share more cheaply, particularly in January. You may say, well, market share isn't very valuable in January. Well, that's true. But if you take the market share and then maintain it in February, March, and April, then it's valuable, right? Trying to gain market share in December is kind of financial suicide, with the odd exception, I'm sure, that proves the rule. Okay, so I think I've talked about managing the product lines. Now is not the time, if you're under financial and time pressure, to be trying to launch multiple new product lines or even any. But do understand which ones are selling, which aren't, and act accordingly. Really, that's a cash flow management thing that I've talked about earlier as well. Hey, a couple of practical tips. Let's divide this into two things. One is um, intellectual and the other one is emotional management. Intellectual, use analytics and data. Your intuition is not as good a guide as you think to what your sales are. And Whenever you talk to somebody in e-commerce and they don't know their numbers and they guess at them, they're normally misguided by their intuition. And we're all the same. I'm the same. That's why you have to make sure whilst you don't ignore it, you look at the numbers and you know the numbers and then let your intuition kick in. Never average out your best weeks or months for sales projections, because that's, that's more common than you'd think, and, and it doesn't work very well. In terms of emotional strength, a couple of stress management techniques, I'm not going to get clever, but don't forget to the power of working out. As somebody said to Richard Branson once at some retreat, you know, what is your biggest tip for increasing productivity? And he said, work out. Simple as that. So physical exercise always helps reduce stress, plus makes you more productive. I find that to be true. Time out. Don't forget that you have to actually have recovery time somewhere in the week. Now uh, the old uh, religious traditions, I'm not a religious chap, but you know, whether you're Jewish and you have the Sabbath on a on a Saturday, I believe Muslims have it on a Friday, forgive me if I got it wrong, Christians have it traditionally on a Sunday. The idea of a day off a week is a wise idea. That's probably a luxury that you may not have as an entrepreneur, but half a day, you know, whether that's Saturday evening to see the, the wife and family or whoever your your partner is and Sunday morning lying in. That's my kind of rhythm. If I've got a busy week, don't neglect that. Sleep, again, if you if you really overdo it and don't get enough sleep for too many days in a row, your quality of a decision-making is going to go really down the pan. And that's no good because a lot of what we do in this kind of business model is make decisions. We don't make stuff with our hands in in this kind of business model. And then don't forget to have a little bit of fun and connection. If you've had a good week, Get a beer in with your co-workers or or with your business partner, or if you're a solopreneur with some other people and and celebrate. You've worked hard, even if it wasn't what you wanted it to be. You still need that. And I forget to do that sometimes. And then building a support network. Again, you don't want to suddenly do this, but you, you will want to be really building support networks of other entrepreneurs, mentors. Those are the two things I offer professionally, but also networks of friends and family, to lean on when, you know, you need a bit of a, a help. It's best to not suddenly reach out to people you don't know you and suddenly immediately say, help, help, I need help. That's not the greatest beginning to a relationship. If you can try to see that coming again, sort of project the fact that you'll need it and, and get those in place if you can. So quick recap, the key thing is focus on one task at a time. If you are doing the right task, you've prioritized rightly. That is really the best way to be productive, even if you're not incredibly efficient, quotes and quotes, right? Doing 100 emails a day efficiently, if they're a waste of time, is still a waste of time. 51 rule. So what is the 1% of the tasks you do that gives 50% of the results? Try and identify those. That's really powerful. The Eisenhower matrix is incredibly helpful. Block out time for really important things that otherwise don't happen. First hour of the morning or last hour of the day, depending on if you're a morning or evening person. Don't, don't, you know, hire assistants at this time, but do outsource to ready made people that are expert, they're quite expensive, but they're ready to go and don't introduce new tech. If anything, cut, you know, cut to the essential tools, right? So you'll find that, you know, there are 20 software tools, which five you use all the time, 20, use, some of the time, and the other 80, you never use. So don't bother doing anything drastic now, but just use those cash flow management, maximize cash in, put prices up. For fast-selling inventory, yes, up. Yes, in Q4. Yes, that's what I said. Okay, (laughs) to maximize profit, uh, put prices down. Put Prices up for fast-selling inventory to maximize profit, put prices down for slow, slow moving stock. Maybe you make no profit, but you turn it into cash. And if you're under financial pressure, cash is king. If you're owed any sales or invoices through business-to-business work, chase it up. Credit control is critical in business-to-business work. Minimise cash out, negotiate with your creditors and use credit wisely. So try to move things from uh, high interest to low or no interest if you can. And then keep yourself sane and use the analytics, don't guess. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you are making under $40,000 or pounds a month, you may want to check out get an audit from me where I can analyse what's going on and probably help you to make sense, particularly if you're under time and financial pressure. Make sense of what's going on in your business, you can get that at myamazonaudit.com. That is www.myamazonaudit.com. And if you're making over 40,000 a month, then talking of a community that will really support you in the tough times as well as the good times, the Mastermind the 10K Collective is probably for you worth checking out, particularly if you're based in the UK. www.theamazonmastermind.com com is the place for that thank you so much for listening and i hope you survive and indeed thrive even if you're having a bit of a tough time at the moment thanks for listening do you want to grow your amazon business bigger or faster i bet you do if so a free audit of your amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities Generally, I charge at least $150 an hour these days for my time, but this is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, just go to myamazonaudits.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z or Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Thank you very much